Welcome to Left Foot. We invite fresh conversation on business development. Now here's your host, Nicole Giantonio. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Left Foot. Today, our guest is Melissa Cruteau, the Senior Director of Strategy and Marketing at Catapult Growth Partners. Melissa is a business development and communication strategist. Prior to joining Catapult, she was the chief marketing officer of the law firm Nixon Peabody for five years. Melissa, I've given our listeners some insight into your role and background. Can you expand on what I've said and give us a glimpse into your role at Catapult? Sure. At Catapult, I advise professional services businesses, primarily law firms, on strategies, structure, processes, and tactics that they use to help them achieve their growth objectives and optimize their go-to-market effectiveness. Hmm, Sounds exciting. So, Melissa, what strengths or habits do you feel are critical to be successful in developing business in the professional services environment? Well, I think that one of the most important things is just to be a strong strategic thinker, Mm -hmm. to go into an organization, take a look at everything that they're doing and think about how to optimize it so that they've got a more solid approach to the marketplace. What I bring to the table is coming in and talking to a firm about how they're going to market, how they're positioning their services, what they're selling, think through their value proposition to help them put together a series of marketing and business development strategies so that they can effectively communicate what they do and explain why a client should buy their ser- the services from them. That's great. Do you have any recommendations that are even more tactical? You know, it's interesting. I like to think that I operate at the 100,000 foot level and the one foot level. And I think to be effective at marketing and business development and professional services, you need to be able to do both. You need to be able to walk in and look at the overall firm and what value proposition is to the marketplace, what services they're offering, put that in the context of their growth objectives, and then mm-hmm. also be able to talk to them about specific tactics and strategies to, to operationalize that and to, to achieve those objectives. I absolutely agree with you. We all have to agree on a strategy and then support it. But then of course, we've got to get it done. So that's the tactical. Can you give me some examples of you know what those tactical practices would look like? Sure. You know, it can range from everything from an effective content strategy. And, you know, content strategy is a a big buzzword today and it encompasses so much of what a firm would do to present itself to the marketplace. So that could be their digital strategy, uh, social media, press, advertising, uh, publishing, white papers, speaking engagements, networking, what organizations and industry groups they're going to be associating with. That's sort of the marketing side of it. And then the targeting of what businesses we want to get in front of and how we're going to get in front of them so they know what we do and what our services are and and what's special about our firm in resolving their challenges. Those are great points. Melissa, let's talk about value propositions, the strength of creating a strong value proposition, either for a firm, generally for a practice area or as a lawyer. I mean, if I want to have a particular niche that I focus in, what are your recommendations about coming up with a solid value proposition. One of the issues is that lawyers are very good about talking about the features of their firm or their practice area, but a value proposition is about presenting features and benefits. So by thinking in terms of value proposition, thinking about what problem are we solving for the client? What need of theirs are we answering? Really understanding 
Who is the buyer of our services? Who are our competitors? And why are we a better choice by that buyer to hire us to solve their problem? All of this thinking puts the selling of your services in the context of the needs of your client as opposed to the strengths of your law firm. And I think that's where the big disconnect is in legal marketing right now, that still too many firms are expressing their value in terms of the features of their services and their firm. And not enough of them are thinking about developing their value proposition in terms of the benefits that they're bringing to the clients. No, I think that's a great point. I grew up in the sales world. We talked about features and needs and benefits, you know, pretty regularly. There was a reason we talked about it because it made sense to the client, made it more clear to the client, especially if you were doing that at the beginning of a process, at the beginning of a relationship. Drill down with with a lawyer and spend half an hour talking to them about what they do and the problems that their clients are facing every day, you'll find that you get them past a discussion of tactical legal help. And the discussion starts to talk about how you're bringing real value to advancing their business. How, what is the problem that the, the client has and what is the impact of, of that problem on their business? So just as a base example, a labor and, and employment litigation matter can be a tremendous business disruption problem. So now if you're thinking about your services in terms of keeping the business going and minimizing disruption, as opposed to the tactics involved in handling the litigation, now you're presenting your services in the context that the business business person is thinking about. Definitely the idea is not to provide that legal recommendation, but to provide the legal recommendation in light of the business need, the business challenge that is looking to be solved or needing to be solved or the business improvement that they're looking to make and and want and are seeking legal advice on. So what are you seeing out there? Is it what I would expect, which is we're good, we're big, we're broad, Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And and that's part of the problem is that because the firms aren't speaking to client needs and business problems, a lot of them are talking about this is what we do. So hire us to help you. And they're not putting that message in the context of thinking about the value that they bring uh, to the to the clients. Which brings up another topic. I know you've mentioned it to me and, and I heard about it recently in another program and I'll talk about that. So I interviewed one of the executives at Axiom and they partnered with McKenzie to get some of that education in place for their lawyers. You know, what are your thoughts about making sure that our lawyers have more business training generally? And then of course, business development training. I wish every law school in the United States had a component of business training for lawyers. It's it's interesting that I have stood up in front of groups of lawyers who have public company clients and asked them if they know how to read the financial statements that their, their clients are put, putting out. And so many of them don't, or they don't even understand why they should be doing that in the context of providing legal advice to these clients. So I think that it's more and more important for lawyers to be thinking about about the business challenges of their clients to the every everything you read says that what clients the gap that clients see between the services that lawyers are providing and their needs is a lack of understanding of of the business and why is that important because the clients are saying they're not as interested anymore in hiring 
lawyers who are going to reactively solve the problem in front of them at the moment. They want that, but they also want lawyers to work with them who are going to advise them ahead of what's coming at them. So advise them on changes of changes of regulations, changes of law, so that they're not only able to handle the current legal problems that they have, but that they can prepare for what's coming and stay out of trouble in the future. Interesting point. Dilworth Paxson has created client teams and each client team has a business person, not a business development person, but an MBA. Their role is to ensure that the lawyers are thinking about the business, the client's business and addressing those business issues. One thing that isn't done universally at law firms, but would contribute greatly to what we're talking about is for lawyers to think about going into their clients and having a meeting with their business people. So often Mm -hmm. the the lawyers think about meeting with the people who hire them, right? So they meet with the general counsel or the assistant GC for, for the kind of legal services that they're providing. I would suggest that there would be a terrific advantage to have an off the clock meeting with the heads of the various divisions at a company, have a have a conversation about what are your strategic goals for the next year? What is your strategic plan? What products are you developing? One of the reasons is I can give you an example. If you've got a client that's going that tells you one of our objectives is to develop um, an online marketing strategy next year. Well, the lawyer might say, you know, that's interesting. I wonder if it would be helpful if we had a meeting with our data privacy people, because there are a number of data privacy issues that it could arise that you should be thinking about as you're thinking about some sort of an online marketplace. So it's a great opportunity to not only learn about the business, but proactively bring to this company advice on on some legal strategies so that they can more effectively launch launch their strategy. Melissa, that's a really strong point. Do you think that could actually be a differentiator? And then basically that could become the value proposition that they bring to the market? Well, actually, at Nixon Peabody, that was the essential part of the brand that we developed at that firm. So it was mm-hmm. a, a very future forward brand that was based on the fact that clients were telling us that they wanted to be advised uh, proactively, if not predictively, about what legal challenges they were going to be facing. So we were doing that. We were going out to clients and saying, we'd like to have a meeting with you to talk about what is going on in your business and have the opportunity to sit down a group, a team of of our lawyers and a team of your business people and talk through where are you headed and how can we help you get there? Very interesting. Is that the way they've always done business or is that the result of what was going on in 2008 and 2009? And as business became more competitive due to the market changing and cost structures changing, was that a newer way of approaching business or has that always been their brand and the way that they approached their clients? Well, it wasn't always their brand, but it certainly came about as a result of changes in the legal marketplace. So when I came into law 16 years ago, it was very much a system where clients were clients for life and partners were partners for life. (laughs) And the whole dynamic really changed just about the time that I came in in the early 2000s, where certainly I think a big part of it was the economy. So that the whole dynamic changed and clients really became, it it really came about that clients were in the driver's seat when it came to the attorney-client relationship. So clients were doing things like going through convergence where they were reducing the number of law firms they were working with and they were having a much greater say in what they were willing 
having to pay firms and, and being much more demanding about the fee structure and asking for alternative fee arrangements. And it, so it was really about 10 or so years ago when there was a big shift in the marketplace and clients became much more discerning about which firms they were going to work with and the economics of working with them. Were you a fan of alternative fee arrangements? Is that something that you would encourage your clients, your consulting clients today to look at? I'm absolutely a fan of alternative fee arrangements. I'm probably mostly a fan of having conversations with your clients so that you're jointly determining a fee arrangement that the client is going to feel comfortable with and feel as a good fit with their business needs. Yeah, no, that's great. I interviewed Ron Baker and he talks about value pricing and what it is and what it isn't. I'm a fan, but I agree with you, you know, having the conversation with the client, a business conversation with the client about fees so that you're both on the same page, I think is, is definitely the first step. Well, one of the interesting things in today's marketplace is the client is has a lot more information available to them as they're thinking about fees. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of services out there that are sending clients information about the fees that all the big firms are charging. So I would say that the clients probably have a better viewpoint of the fee structure at firms than the fees than the firms themselves. So they really are in a position of strength when it comes to the negotiation process. So it's really forcing firms to have those conversations and be better at discussing the business of law while they're out with clients and while they're preparing to either work on a new matter with a client or take on a new client. Let's talk about technology. There's a lot going on in the legal field around technology, around obviously e-discovery is a big part of this. And, you know, there's other things like artificial intelligence creeping into the legal environment. What are your thoughts on the effects of technology, being able to address a client's needs when technology is involved and on the pricing side, e-discovery and some areas of technology are changing that component of paying for your time? First of all, there's a trend in the larger law firms now to to hire pricing czars. So these are people who come in and are using data within the firm to understand profitability in the firm and understand how to determine pricing for various types of work. And I think that trend is going to continue and ties into what we talked about earlier about having lawyers learn about business and think about having MBAs in firms. These pricing czars often are MBAs and have very strong analytical backgrounds. And they're collecting data at firms, cutting it in new ways at the matter and task level so that they understand exactly how many hours it takes to do various phases of a project, optimally who you put on that project and how you price it so that it's favorable to the firm and favorable to the client. So that that's one thing to think about technology. Another interesting thing that's going on in technology is the legal world is being somewhat disrupted by the fact that there are many startup companies in the technology space that are developing services and technologies that serve uh, legal services. So when I was at Nixon Peabody, we uh, sponsored a program by the New York Legal Hackers where they came to our offices in New York and spent a weekend coming up with uh, new technology solutions for providing legal services. So as an example, one firm was talking about a way to review documents for M&A deals where 
it might have taken days and days for associates in a law firm to review these documents. And now they're developing technology that can do the document review in a matter of hours. So technology is changing the way law is practiced as a way, as well as the way law is, law firm business is analyzed. In your opinion, would that be a differentiator that you would take to the market if you're strong in that area or could show that they were using that technology effectively? Yes. And I think that that's happening already. I think a lot of law firms are either teaming up with technology companies that can provide these services or developing them on their own. Because I think that everyone's beginning to realize that there are some things that lawyers do today that because of the new power of big data and predictive analytics and and other technology systems, they're possible to do with computers. And, And what's interesting about that is it's much more efficient and the clients like it because as long as the work can be done just as just as well in terms of quality it can be done much less expensively and faster mm-hmm. so you're moving the you're moving the project along more quickly which which the client likes and it's not going to cost as much. A lot happening in this space. Very exciting in the legal profession and professional services in general. As you look out in front of you, what are you seeing that you would consider to be innovative, either in the delivery of professional services or in the business development side of professional services? I'm looking at several firms that are taking a dive into predictive analytics. So they're ta- they're diving into their own data to see trends and uh, that are going to affect their marketplace. It's interesting. When I first started in law, again, 16 years ago, I found that law firms were set up to count hours and bill clients. Today, people are are using their their IT systems to code matters and collect a whole lot more information about what is being done. I used to talk to the lawyers about the fact that a company like Walmart knows exactly how many men's shirts of a certain brand are sold of a certain size in this city, at this store, on this street, at this time. And that kind of data traditionally hasn't been collected by law firms, but the more they collect data like that, they have a much better understanding of their business, of demand for their services, how to price it, and how to predict future buyer behavior. And these are things that B2C companies have been doing for years, and B2B companies have been diving into more, and law tends to be one of the lagging entrants into technologies like that. But many law firms are now, and I think that they're going to have the advantage and other law firms are going to have to quickly get on board. I've heard recently that it's not only the trends, but it's really those micro trends. So professional services firms are really focusing in on. Melissa, how does that relate to business development and marketing? Is there an area of technology and data mining focused on business development and marketing that you think is critical as we go forward? It's interesting because a lot of law firms sort of separate marketing and business development. They say they have their marketing people, their business development people. I'm a big believer that marketing and business development should work hand in hand. So when I work with a team, you take your traditional marketing functions like your digital strategy, your traditional media strategy, your website folks and all that, and have them sitting side by side with your business development people so that the messaging going out through the firm's marketing is completely aligned with the messaging and sales strategy to build certain areas of practice. So they should be totally aligned. And there are technologies available today that a lot of law firms are venturing into that help them with this. So for example, 
example, many law firms today are looking at their websites and turning them from static brochure sort of approaches into actual lead generating websites because the technology is available and they're putting together their website with their contact management system and the data in the firm so that they're designing a website that serves up content that is aligned with their business development strategy and they're building a background technology base for their website that allows them to know who is visiting their site and their Therefore, have the, the content on the website help move the, the potential buyer through the buying cycle, through the content that they're, they're finding on the website. It's great technology. It's great to see it applied in professional services, in the legal environment. We see that in our personal life. Go look at a possible purchase and then that purchase follows you around. And, and it's interesting because I'm still hearing in the legal sector that marketers and lawyers are concerned about this technology because they, they, they say, oh, that sounds like it's creepy. But then you remind them that this is the way that business is done on the internet throughout the B2C community. And and frankly, it's, it's actually what the clients are expecting, right? So where you could say, oh, we're worried that our clients will be put off by this because we'll know what, what they're visiting on our website. I could argue that the clients not only expect that, but would appreciate a more personalized uh, visit to your website so that you're serving up content that matches their interest and their needs. Yeah, you and I both agree on that. I know you've had the opportunity to work with lawyers who are beginning the business development side of their responsibilities. Today, we have listeners that are tuning into Left Foot to hear how they can start their business development journey. One thing I like to advise young lawyers on is to of course, learn everything you can about the law from, from the partners that you're learning from, but also learn as much as you can about your clients. So follow their business, get Google alerts on the companies, read their 10K if they're a public company, follow their industry, join an industry organization of, that represents the industries of your top clients. Learn as much as you can about their perspective, their business issues, where their business is headed so that you can go out and have a conversation with them not only about their legal problems, but also about their business. And as we said before, become a proactive, predictive lawyer who knows, who can advise them ahead of their business challenges. That's how you can grow the relationship. I think that would also help differentiate them to get in front of them, to be that lawyer that's more than providing legal advice, that's interested and curious about their business. The other thing that they should be thinking about is be sure to speak to their clients in a way that the clients will understand. And what I mean by that is there is still too much content coming out from law firms that's written in legalese, as they call it. And it's not written not only in a voice that's understandable by non-lawyers, because many clients are not lawyers. So present, present information in a clear and understandable way so that anybody can understand it. And the other piece of that is to always think about providing the information that you're giving these clients with a call to action. I'm telling you this information about a change of law because this is the potential impact on your business and this is why this is what we think you should do with this information. Again, too often lawyers will put out information through client alerts or white papers and it's a statement of a change of law, but they're not putting it in the context of what business people should be doing about it. Great point. Melissa, you have a lot of energy about the work that you're doing. What do you enjoy most about that work? 
is I think of it as a puzzle. So I go in and I listen to the to the firm tell me about their services, tell me about their clients, tell me about their priorities and their strategy. And then I take a look at how they're approaching the marketplace, what their positioning is, what their marketing and business development strategy and help them fine tune it to better match their strengths to the needs of the people that they're selling to. I share that interest with you and know that you've been quite successful in helping firms and helping practices, helping lawyers get out and present themselves effectively in the market, effectively to clients. Melissa, fantastic interview. A lot of strong points. Are there any last items you'd like to convey to our listeners before we say goodbye? Well, first of all, I just want to thank you, Nicole, because this has been great and I really appreciate the opportunity to participate on your program. I think the last thing that I would say is that business development very often is viewed as something scary by a lot of professionals. And they may feel like, gee, I've never done sales before, or I didn't go into law to sell. And I think there are people who are concerned about whether they have the right skills to do it, or are they doing it correctly? And, you know, I would say to them that everybody has the capacity to sell effectively, and that there's just some very easy techniques and strategies you can do that, that you feel most comfortable with, so that you're getting out in the marketplace, and you're, you're meeting with people, and you're telling them what you do and you're putting your services and your expertise in the context of understanding their challenges and anyone can do it. And and I guess my best advice to people is when you go out and meet people is just have an easy conversation with them and just try to learn what are they focused on. Be focused, as I said before, more on the client and their business and less on the services that you bring. And as you're learning about their challenges and their business, it's going to become apparent how you can help them or, or point them to another resource in your firm who might be able to. So I would just relax and, and just learn what you can about various business development and marketing skills and and adopt the ones that are most comfortable to you. Great advice. Thank you. A fantastic last point. Melissa, it's been a pleasure having you as a guest on Left Foot. Well, thank you, Nicole. Thank you for listening to this episode of Left Foot. Be sure to visit www.leftfoot.net to access show notes, sign up for our weekday series, and embrace what it means to lead with the left foot. Oh,